coming from Africa where our opportunities are limited and not just limited in the sense that uh, from a job perspective, but opportunities, just even knowing what we're capable of, either lawyer, you're a doctor, it's very, very constrained the way that we think about success on the continent. Welcome to Ask the Pros, where I do my very best to unpack actionable, valuable insights and with the goal of helping you live your dream life. I sit down with top entrepreneurs, professionals, making a difference around the globe so they can tell their stories. In doing so, I aim to inspire and motivate other people that may be struggling or looking for a new spark around their personal life or career path. On that note, you know, I welcome you to Ask the Pros. Ask the Pros, you know, where we speak to guys like you, you know, so much knowledge and so much to give, you know, tell your story, share your journey, how you started in a way to motivate and inspire others, you know, and I know you have a lot to say that's going to motivate and inspire someone out there, you know. <laughs> I hope I inspire somebody. You, 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 you definitely do. You definitely do. And, you know, on this show, we always start from the beginning, which means, you know, telling us how you started, you know, how was the beginning for you? You know, and I know from, from our previous call, I know that, you know, you moved from Cameroon to America early where you are right now. You know, how did that all start for you? Yeah. So I moved to the United States as a teenager. My mom was um, coming to the U.S. for a program at Harvard. And um, so my younger sister and I, so the six of us, and we were the youngest and my siblings were already in the United States, you know, and so we, we tied along and that's how that started. So I came here as a teenager and from Africa where our opportunities are limited and not just limited in the sense that from a job perspective, but opportunities, just even knowing what we're capable of, either lawyer, you're a doctor, it's very, very constrained the way that we think about success on the continent. But even while I was there, I just knew that that model was not for me. I just didn't know what was for me, but I... I didn't want to be a doctor. I didn't want to be, you know, a lawyer, lawyer, any of those things. The, the, typical, I, the typical African, African parents yeah, kind of yes. thing. Lawyer, doctor, I'm, engineer, banker. Engineer, the typical stuff. <laughs> and my, my, my father, of course, is a civil engineer and what, you know, educated in the U- U.S. My mom, an educator, educated in the U.S. as well. But having seen that, I just did not find what I thought would fit. I didn't, again, not knowing any better, but I just knew that the education system was not for people like me. But did I know what was for me? I wasn't sure. So coming to the U.S. where you're, you have, you don't have the typical mindset that would fit in a box, but not knowing where you will fit in was a challenge in itself. And so when we came to the U.S., we were in Boston and I hated Boston. My oldest sister was settled in California. So she felt that I would like California because the weather and environment you felt was a little bit more adaptable to someone coming from, from Cameroon. So I moved to California a few months in and I liked California. And then the big question, of course, when you come from a family where, you know, high accomplishers, PhD here, you know, masters there, everybody's looking at you like, okay, so, you know, just sat me down. You know, you're not going to just sit down. What are you, school time? What are you, what do you want to study? What, what, what are your plans? Exactly. That very pivotal question. Now, my sister is, um, she, her education was in the UK and then she moved to the US. So I'm sitting there, I'm like, you know, thinking, okay, you know, she has this nice job and her husband are doing well. And she's 
she goes and brings me this list of courses and things to think about. And 80% of the stuff on that piece of paper make no sense to me. I don't even know what they're talking about. And so she's like, okay, we're meeting tomorrow. We're going to go over what you want for your future. And I'm like, okay. So we sit there and finally I'm like, I don't know. So she's like, that's not a good answer. I said, what did you study? And she said, I studied business. I'm like, great. I'm going to do what you did because you have a good paying job. I'm going to just you know, do what you did. And she was like, fine. Um, so I, I went to school and did the, the normal thing and landed my, my, my first degree. Again, through that journey, I was checking a box. So it still wasn't what I wanted, but I was checking that box to get that job, which I did. I got the job, the great job. And I still didn't feel like that was for me. And then my sister called again, you have your bachelor's, master's next. I'm like, oh my goodness, when are they going to get off my tail? So I, I signed up for master's and I said, you know what, after master's, please don't call me ever again about I, anything. I'm, to I'm sure the next thing is, that's coming, coming your way is when are you going to get married? <laughs> oh my goodness, that pressure is always there, right? Like marriage, kids. But as I went through and did my master's at the time, there was something also growing for me. As an African in the United States, I've always struggled with this idea that we should even be underdogs anywhere, whether it's I grew up in Cameroon in a country where we are, of course, tribalism exists. But even within that, we have the Anglophones, which is the portion of Cameroon that was colonized by the British. And then you have the Francophones, the part that was colonized by the French. So our dynamics were not only whether you're from this tribe or that tribe, there's that. It was whether you're Anglophone or Francophone. So I was from the Anglophone, which is also the minority there living in, born and raised in the predominant Francophone. So I really had to deal with being an underdog. And I always hated being an underdog in my country. I didn't understand why that had to be the case. And I always felt like I could see our potential as Africans. And I hated that we, were, we had to be in countries where we were operating like third world. Why were we third world when we had the potential to rebuild? And I always struggled with that even as a child. So coming to the U.S., seeing a country that was well built and structured made me hunger for, I want to see that for Africans. I want us to have this. I don't want to have to, people to have to live, leave your country to come to somebody else's country to have that. Why can't we have that there? But of course you have these thoughts, but then you don't even know where to begin or how to go. So I started wishing we had magazines that, promoted that and showed us that for us Africans and there were there was nothing telling that story. There was always the stories about the wars, the poverty, that stuff. Okay, we know that stuff exists, but tell me about the business people and the heroes and the, the good stuff. And there was just nothing. So I remember starting a little group back in the day when, you know, it was Yahoo. Yahoo had just started out, had Yahoo groups. And I would pull people in for us to talk about how we could better things and, and, you know, those conversations. And then at some point I'm like, I wish there was some magazine or some medium doing that. And there was none. So I figured I was going to start one. I had never done anything like that. And that's, and no that's when, was, was that when African Vibes was born? Yes, that's when African Vibes was born. I had no idea what I was doing, but I've always had the mindset of if there's a problem, why don't you do something about it? Why do you wait for, for somebody else? That has always been my attitude about life. If you think something needs to be done, do it. My mom would always say, you know, you, if you see something on the floor and you're passing, she's like, so who do you think should pick that up? Who do you think should do the cleanup? You know, when you've seen it, you know, it's a problem. Why are you waiting for somebody else when you could do something bad? So I started African Vibes believing that I had what it took to learn and make it happen. 
And for a while, I, I did my best. It was actually the business plan I did for my master's program. Got some good thumbs up on it. And I chased it for a while. And then it became overwhelming because at some point, family, you know, married, starting a family got in the way. So I put that on hold for a little bit and had the kids put that out of the way and then came back to it. Um, it used to be a print publication. Um, I had no idea how much was going to be involved in doing a print magazine that was being distributed. And it was just a mountain. But I learned a lot from that process. And so coming back to it years later, I literally shelved it uh, when I started having children. I have two. I shelved it because I felt like I was going to just something had to give. It was like raising a baby and it was just too much for me to handle at the time. So when I came back to it, I came back to it thinking that I was coming back to start over. Now, in between, I had gone back to corporate America, which is the beauty of having an education is, and I say this for your entrepreneur listeners, that education is like your backup plan. At first, I didn't think about it as such, but like my husband would always say, what's the worst thing that would happen, right? You can always go back and get a job. And he knows I hate the idea of, of being employed by, by somebody else, but it's like, you can always do that because you do that very well. And I'm like, yeah, I can always do that. So that was always there. So when I shelled it, I went back to my corporate job, climbed the corporate ladder and realized that I was back at the crossroads. Either I was going to be building something for somebody else that had little to do with things that were I was passionate about, or I was going to make the tough decision to say, I know what I'm capable of. I'm going to build something that I believe in. And I made that tough decision that I was going to build African vibes and my marketing business. Yeah. But, but what was your, what was your why though? Because, you know, we, we can, we can easily just fall off the wagon. We can easily just give up and, you know, and just tend to just, you know, like, like you said, went back to corporate America, you know, you can easily just say, you know, well, why not just, you know, do this, you know, go back to my comfort zone, which is, you know, that at the end of each month you get a paycheck and for, and for you, that's comfortable for you to just say, you know, I don't want to do that. You know, what, what, what was the, what was the, why, what was the strong reason for you to actually say, you know, they are, I'm that just going to pursue this, this dream. Very good question. You know, my why has always been that the underdog can make the, can make, can change this world. It is the underdogs that ever will. I felt that I've always been pulled to the African aspect of it and the business aspect of it. My why has been that. I see us Africans as underdogs. I see business people all over the world as underdogs. And they are, to me, the true change agents in this world. Whether it's in the United States, Europe, wherever you are, it is that small business person that is trying to unlock that door into potential and opportunity. The challenge that that small business person can have could be from a mindset perspective. Can they even see themselves? So they're trying to do something sometimes when there's no evidence around them to tell them that someone like them can. So they have that burning desire, but they don't even have the mental tools to cope with it. There's that. Then there's that, you know, challenge of how do I even get there? So looking at it from that perspective, when I look at an avenue, a medium like African Vibes, it ties to all of that. African Vibes is an avenue where we can tell those stories and tell people and show them that they can follow footprints, that there are those stories. There are people that are changing the world from the person that didn't have much doing it to the person that had a lot and leveraging their influence to do it. Um, and then shifting that to say, okay, we're going to add um, a marketing element is so that we can support the businesses that like myself struggled 
to enter a space where they did not have any anybody that was saying, here's the path. We want to be able to step in and say, we can take some of that load off so you can focus on that dream of yours. Instead of trying to be the biggest challenge I've seen with business people across the world is trying to figure it all out. Like you're trying to put all the, I struggled with that. Was you're trying to be from the content creation to the marketing, to the sales, to the product development. It's, it's all you. You're, you're trying to be everything and then to setting up your operations. And there's comes a time when you really have to take a step back and say, I want to focus on my zone of genius. This is what I know how to do. But have somebody that can take the other pieces off of your plate so that you can focus on building that wonderful. I'm, I'm sure, I'm sure a lot of people would probably think about that, but you know, starting a business is, is, is hard enough, you know, and we need to think about the, the capital, the financial part of it again is another thing again. And you, and you would think that, you know, okay, let me do this, do all this, play all this role for a while, you know, and start, you know, making some money. Then I can hire other guys, you know, because it's, I, I know, I know what you're saying is, is, is right. You know, it's the right thing to do. But sometimes, you know, when you start, the only thing that you need to play that role for a while and, you know, get a bit of capital on your side and you can now bring the content creators in, bring the video guys, the editors and, you know, copywriters, all that, because it's, it's, a, it's a whole lot of work to do for one person anyway. I, I understand that. It is definitely, and it depends on many variables. However, the thing that would delay your progress would typically be you trying to do all of that. Now, normally I would actually say this one job that is startup entrepreneur needs to be focused on and itself. Like that's your number one job, right? And I'm not saying this as someone who did it right. I'm saying this as someone who's done it. I've probably made almost every mistake in the book that that can be made. And I know there's a lot more mistakes for me to make. However, the challenge that a lot of entrepreneurs face is you have like these pillars. Some people are good at product development. They're not good at sales. They're not good at marketing. They're not good at all the other things, but you need the pillars to call it a business. Some people are good at sales, but they're not good at marketing. They're not good at some of the other things. But then when you're trying to spread yourself thin to try to do all of it, you might never end up with a business. The quickest thing you could do is find that narrow lane to either raise as much capital or if you have some capital saved up, to get your key minimum viable support system up so that you can focus on the thing that you do best instead of trying to spread yourself thin on all the other things that are not your zone of genius. Because your zone of genius is where you thrive. Yeah. That you cannot be good at everything. Yeah, absolutely. Maybe trying to be the jack of all trades, you know, master of none. <laughs> absolutely. The only thing that I would say you want to master, even if it's not your core competence, is sales. And again, it's uncomfortable for many people. But if you could if you could master sales, not necessarily that you like it, because before you can actually bring on a salesperson, you have to figure out sales. Other areas you can actually outsource easily, like marketing and all of that. But for you to be able to get a person that would sell your product or sell your service or sell you, you have to be able to sell you first. And so that is, to me, the, not the last thing that you need to outsource is sales. But things like marketing or, you know, like if you're going to do an app and you're not a developer, don't go try to read every book to become a developer when that's not your core competence. So there, there are things that you kind of have to, because I see a lot of entrepreneurs saying, oh, I don't have money for this. I don't have money for that. And then I'm like, okay, if you keep sticking with, I want to try to figure it out and do it myself. Six months later, you'll be in the exact same place. And I don't say this to just be facetious. I say this because 
let's take this just this year. This year when COVID started, I reached out to a bunch of um, entrepreneurs and I was doing this uh, free, you know, 30 minute coaching call where you, we jump on and I tell you what's wrong with your marketing and you could go do it or you can hire hires to help you. And so I'm going through calls with these people and I'm giving a lot of them feedback. And one consistent thing I'm finding out is a lot of them, actually 90% of people I spoke to hate marketing. Like they, that's not their thing. They would just take it off my plate. Now you had the people that were like, ah, oh, no, you know, I, I'm going to, you know, do this. I don't want to spend any money. You know, I don't have any money. They, 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 they came from a place, place of lack. Now it may sound like, oh, you're just wanting them to use your company. And I, I'm like, no, there were cheaper things I could actually offer them to do. But I followed up with those people six months later. They were in the exact same place. Contrast that with the people who started with, I don't have the budget, but I'm going to do whatever I can to get this done. Completely different. I actually have a client that has gone on to start three other businesses wow. and they're all profitable. And the point I'm making is not necessarily that, oh, okay, you know, hire Bell or go hire a marketer. What I'm saying is learn to know when to invest. I used to be that entrepreneur. I thought, oh my gosh, everything was expensive. I used to be that person. I remember, I would never forget because this client of mine, she always reminds me. So she's a top blogger. She's started to make seven figures. Um, but I remember when, and she's a very good personal friend of mine. So I remember when she was saying, you know, Abel, I think I need to hire a coach and the coach is going to cost me 17 grand for the year. And I was like, what? You want to go pay somebody 17 <laughs> Coach you? That's insane. And I talked her out of it. Uh, because I was talking myself, it was a limiting mindset. Flip that later, she and I actually agreed to to spend on hiring coaches and we spent almost double that. Wow. That Now, what that did do for my business is I've recouped that and then some. But if I hadn't done, and I, when I did it, I was like, oh my God, I can't believe I'm here spending almost 30 grand on a coach. However, at some point in your business, you have to get to the point where you're willing to invest in your future. The things that have gone out of that, if I had not invested that money, I would still be struggling, doing things, thinking small, operating in a, in a space of, of, of lack instead of in a space of abundance. You know, my business has really exploded out of that investment. So again, I, I know some people would hear them, they're like, oh my God. Now, of course, they're coaches for different tiers. You don't have to go spend that kind of money. <laughs> Absolutely not. But if somebody was to ask me now, what would you have done differently? Without even batting an eye, I would say I would have hired a coach at the beginning. That would have been because we as entrepreneurs, we cannot, we actually underestimate mindset limitations that were, were the way that we hold ourselves back. But what, what, what would you say to someone that would just say, Bill, you know, why don't you just start? And if you fail, you know, you learn from your mistakes and, you know, you make newer mistakes and, you, you know, you just carry on instead of looking for a coach and, you know, spending all that money. Why don't you just start? You know, what would you say to that? And I would say, why don't you try it out? Two years later, let's have that conversation. And I'm not saying they wouldn't have grown. They, they would have probably grown. I mean, I, I did grow before I hired a coach, right? I would say that. But what I would say is do it that way for two years because I know more than enough entrepreneurs that have tried it that way and continue to try it that way. Yeah. And then come and compare with somebody who hired a coach, a mentor. If it's the same business model, I want to compare notes two years later. Let's see who is either making over six figures or even seven figures in two years. Yeah. Let's just see where you are and where they are. And then tell me whether 
it's just like, think about it, right? When we, we, we spend, what, I, I can't remember how much I spent to get my master's or my bachelor's. You can spend pretty much that to get somebody to walk you through this stuff. Somebody who's made the mistakes you've made. Somebody that, the, the person that when you're scared to take that step forward, they push you to confront your fear. I, you know, it was my coach that made me see that I was worth charging what I was charging. I struggled with my rates and I knew I could offer the value, but I just couldn't bring myself to charge people. I my think, coach thought I was I think, crazy. I think, I, I, I think I'm struggling with that as well because I, I, I have a lot of guys, you know, they, they, they hit me up on, you know, Instagram and emails as well saying, oh, Kes, you know, I, I, I see that you're doing a great job with, with your podcast, you know, and I want to go into podcasts as well. You know, how do I, you know, can you, so, and, and they ask me the question, like, so how much are you going to charge me? And I just freeze. I was like, Oh God. <laughs> but see, that is now you see what's happening, right? And that's a good example, Kes. I used to ask myself, what is, everybody knows this stuff. That's what I would say to my coach. I, because it was me limiting you. You don't realize yeah, it. Yeah. You hold yourself back. You actually need, why do basketballers, why did Kobe Bryant, may he rest in peace, need a coach? He, you could say he was good, but he needed a coach. Why does anybody, why does Oprah need force? You would think it's Oprah. She has like four for almost every key area of her life. Why would Oprah need a coach? If you want to grow, you kind of need somebody to confront those limiting beliefs. If you expect that, you can confront that yourself. Good luck with that. Because I know I could be the, I could pull many people up. Oh, I pull, I mean, I've pushed people to start businesses, but I can't even pull myself up to save my life. I literally need somebody to get help me get out of my way. So when you have people coming to you for help, not everybody's going to be able to value it, but you have to be the person who values it first. And the mistake, which is a mistake I made, is we undervalue. If you go and you're, you're, you're giving somebody something that's worth, let's say, 1500 and you're giving it to them for $100, trust me, they will want it for 50 bucks. They won't even value it. And I didn't even understand that. You know, my coach was looking at my rates at one point and he thought I had lost my mind. And he's like, did you check, you know, what people who offer what you're offering are, are um, you know, charging and I'm like oh they're just it's too much they're they're charging people a lot of money for this and they're charging and he's like so do you are you charging based on some hourly rate in your head I'm like that and I just don't know that people will, will, will see it and he was just shocked because I had clients whose businesses had quadrupled and he just kept looking at me like I have to be with you on a sales call and let me close the sales call for you he actually closed a couple of calls for me and even when he was doing I was cringing I was terrified I was terrified. Like, will people pay that money? And I remember the first time when I actually, he was on the call with me and I quoted my fee and I'm there like, this guy's not going to pay. And then the guy says, you know, would you give me that for less or something to that effect? Would you go down on the rate? And I'm like, no, that's my rate. And, you know, that's just what it is. But it's, it's, it's fine. You know, I'll give you some few pointers. If you find someone cheaper, by all means, you know, power to you or you find someone that you're more comfortable with. But that's that's my rate. It's like, okay, I'll, I'll think about it. Two days later, this guy writes me with some question. I'm like, unfortunately, I can't really start doing your project until you, because my coach, I taught me you have to value your time. You can't just keep giving off yourself and you don't have the time. And as I said, and I figured, okay, that's done. You know, that guy's not very, never going to talk to me again. And two seconds later, he paid the full contract and like, okay, now can we talk? And that particular client of mine has rehired me probably four times. I'm actually working on another, <laughs> another project with that 
I think we've probably done wow. business for over $15,000. And the point I'm making is, oh, that's great, man. If I did not have a coach pushing me to think about my worth, I would not do it. I would probably be, you know, nickel and diming myself. You know, he, my coach kind of pushed me to start thinking about the people I was attracting. Initially, I was always going for low hanging fruit. And it's like, those are not your clients. Read those off, let somebody else deal with those. I mean, the point I'm making is the thing that we think is, you know, going to cost us, we think about it more in terms of, oh, you know, I'm going to spend all this money instead of looking at it in terms of this is an investment in my business. Just like me going to school to get a master's and a bachelor's was an investment that I can always fall back on. But it was an investment. It wasn't some costs that I'm throwing out. It was an investment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I kind of agree with you, Bill, because um. When I started podcasting, when I thought thought of myself, you know, I want to I want to tell my story, and I want to be able to tell people's stories as well, you know, and and how do, how do I do this, you know? So I went on the on the journey of just learning stuff myself, and <laughs> trust me, if I got the coach or you know paid someone that has done it before to to take me through things, you know, the stuff I know now, the things I know now, you know, it probably took me like a year, two years to know what I know now. But if I had paid someone, it would probably take me like a month to, to probably, yes. you know, get, get all the gears. And because I made a lot of mistakes, you know, along the way. And as simple as when you're recording audio, you know, like how, how do you, how do you record audio? You know, I'm, I'm recording some audio and, and I'm hearing myself. But I'm not hearing you. And I'm mm-hmm. like, Oh my God, what's, what's, what's going on here? And, <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're right and look at now what you've learned right you didn't learn that overnight it took you time it took, yeah. you've made mistakes now somebody comes to you and says show me that for free and then you start under and probably you've probably given it for free just helping people out and, yeah and yeah i've, I've done it I've, I've done it a couple of times i'll just yeah. i'll just tell you everything you need to know i, I, I just yeah. give it to you for it's, free you know and, and not that it's it's you have to value your knowledge and your time it's not that you're being mean that you know there's a client of mine that we ended up just doing a membership program for her because it was the same thing everyone's writing her for advice but nobody was willing it was not that they weren't willing but they were not paying or signing up for anything because her program at the time was really catered towards bigger clients. She she has this really um, incredible way of, of finding the, the ideal hires for, for companies. And they were always reaching out and getting all this free advice. And we're like, you know what? Why don't we do you do a membership program for the people that don't want to pay your, your fee? And then they get now to pay to get that advice and you can support them. But You've, you've spent years, blood, sweat, and tears to learn this stuff. You spent a year, you're looking at it like, okay, it's maybe just a year. No, you've spent endless hours, made endless mistakes. What we don't do is we don't put a dollar value to that time. We just look at it, okay, yeah, we spent that time. The mistake that you can also make now is just go and say, okay, I can just give it. People cannot value. I, I'm sorry to say, but it has been my experience that people don't value what they don't pay for. And I didn't understand this as much when my coach was saying it is. So you think it's by reducing your 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 fee that you're going to be able to help more people? Try it and see how many of them actually act on the information that you give them. And I found that the people that didn't have a lot of skin in the game, they didn't value it as much. Whereas the clients of mine actually paid my fee. They took that to run with it. Every little thing we did was they didn't take it for granted when we said, okay, this was the plan. They showed up. They did what they needed to do because they wanted an outcome because that was an investment for them and they needed to see a return on that investment. It's a different mindset. 
Now, today, if you went out and you looked at some other podcaster that was successful and said, okay, I want to pay to show me now how I can monetize. You might find out maybe in a few months, you're covering all your costs plus the investment that you, you, you made. That's it, it. For me, it was a shift. I assure you, it was a big shift for me. To, and you don't necessarily, you might get lucky because people get lucky where they find mentors that they don't have to pay for, but they're good mentors. Meaning you find someone in the space that actually takes you under your wing and they're showing you the ropes. Now that is like you've, won the lottery when you have that um, someone which just give 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 giving you all the ropes and and all of that but not everybody gets to have that and the reason why i've observed that people who were even willing to do that stop doing that was again for the same reason you hear me saying not only when you give 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 for free people don't always value it and for someone who spent a lot of time like if you were going to help somebody who's like you know Kissy and show me how you did this podcast thing. And then you show them, you spend hours with them and they're not really doing it. And they're, you would get frustrated. It's your time. They're wasting your time. But if you were someone that was taking it or hanging on your every word and really doing it, you feel better about investing that time in them. However, someone who pays you for that knowledge, chances are they're going to act on it because they've had some kind of skin in the game. I met a podcaster one time and, and he told me, he said, okay, so I've, I've looked at your, you know, what you do, listen to a few of your epi- episodes, you know, you're doing a great job, you're doing an amazing job. You know, I, I like the fact that, you know, people come on your show, they tell their stories to inspire other people, you know, but, and he, and he, and he asked me a question. He said, so when do you think you want to, you, you want to start charging for this? I, I was like, uh, charging? <laughs> <laughs> Bill, seriously, I was like, uh, ch- charging what? He was like, okay, he said, okay, say, listen, in two years of podcasting here, yeah, I started charging clients because I, I realized that, you know, everybody wants to be, be out there. People want to, you know, want, want to, want to, want to be heard. You know, they want to put their business out there. They want people to know them, who they are, you know, creating a medium, a platform for, for them to just, you know, you know, just expose themselves to the world, you know, and that kind of thing doesn't come cheap. A- apart from that, you know, your time as well, you know, like it, it's a lot of time doing this, you know, when, when you, so I was, I was, I was just, I was just looking over there. <laughs> I couldn't, I couldn't answer that And question. he's asking a very important question, right? Now, of course, there are many different business models. Like it, me being even in the, in the media, you can say, okay, there's the gated subscription. You can have people pay to read your material or you could be like, no, we're going to fund it through advertising. There are many different models. Again, that's where either a coaching mentor can help you accelerate and close the gap and say, okay, we're looking at this thing that you're doing and, you know, here's how you can go about it. Knowledge that you may have to go through tons of content from Google just to piece together yourself. Someone can actually take you through that and cut through the chase. There are different business models. Again, you know, I, I, I and I say this because it, I tell anybody, get it. I don't care if, because there's also the challenge, which was my challenge, has always been my challenge is, how do I know I'm having a good coach? What if the coach is not what I'm, I, I, um, yeah, I hope for, not, right? Yeah, it's not fit for you. Yes, because there's definitely that chance that you'll get somebody and they're not the right fit. And I've had that. I've actually hired a couple of coaches that were not the right fit, but it was never a wasted experience. I always learned, and as an entrepreneur, there are certain investments I've made peace with. Um, there, for example, I've made peace with investments that sometimes I'll hire the wrong people and I'll have to let them go because they were not the right fit. But in that process, sometimes it also helps me identify what is the right fit for my business. And so it's never, it's never been a wasted experience in every one of these things. It just helps me identify things that I may, that may not have surfaced had I not hired the wrong coach or the wrong 
wrong person. I'm like, oh, okay, I, this person, this is their style, but that's not what I'm looking for. So never waste it. But I would strongly always encourage any entrepreneur, find a mentor. And if you are really at that stage where you're like, I can't even, you know, find, I don't have $1 to even think I'm hiring someone, no problem. Join what I would call your tribe. That's like another thing that I wish I had done sooner. Have a tribe. We're now in a time when the tribes everywhere. And what do I mean by a tribe? When you go to Facebook, for example, you can find groups, groups of people yeah, that are communities. Exactly. You have communities in different places. You have meetups. I don't know how broad meetups are globally, but even if it's not a meetup, at least Facebook has different communities that could speak to your niche. If you are someone that's in the healthcare niche, you would find communities on Facebook and not all of them are good. Some are just pitch fests where people are just coming and say, Oh, buy my stuff, buy my stuff. That's not the kind of community you want to be in. You want to be in a community where the entrepreneurs in your stage of growth that are supporting one another. I mean, I belong to different groups with different things. Like I being a mom, there are different dynamics I have to navigate. So I belong to communities um, that are moms that are doing business and I'm learning from them every day. We're encouraging each other. There are times when I have different challenges of balancing parenting and and business that I, I can be vulnerable there and they come in and people are very supportive. That's a space where now I have a tribe of women that get me, but that's not all that I am. So there are different communities on LinkedIn. We're in a very exciting time when you can have these communities where you can actually get a lot of support doing a journey where you may even be able to ask questions when you're stuck and people help you out for free. So you, you, you can still get by with a community, even if you don't have a coach. People to help you, of course, you have to know the right questions to ask. But I would always say, if you could, get a coach. If you can't, and even if you have a coach, belong to a community that is supportive. Because the biggest challenge any entrepreneur would ever have is not, not being able to go get sales or finding clients. It's mindset. That's the biggest challenge you would ever have. Yeah, yeah, I like that, man. Well, you know, I, I see that you, you know, you've done well in building your brand, you know, and, you know, and when it comes to branding and how to go about that, you know, how have you managed to, you know, get to where you are right now in terms of business branding? That's a good question. I see business brand, branding for me as a journey. It's a journey that will probably continue to evolve. Now, you'd asked earlier what my why was. And constantly, I always have to kind of recheck to see am I still in alignment of that thing inside of me that's still pitching and, and shooting for that underdog and um, shooting for that, you know, person that wants to better themselves, whether it's through sharing information or through the kinds of services that, um, that we're, we're offering. So in building my brand, I constantly have to investigate what my core values are from my personal ones and what the kind, the kind of company I want to work for, not just the kind of company I want to build. Because I've experienced different corporate cultures, which I think is one of the, at first I kind of hated it when I was in corporate America, but having been in, uh, you know, corporate America, worked for different uh, companies, having been a leader there, you know, managing teams and all of that good stuff. There were things I hated and things that I liked. And even then, even before I completely walked away from corporate America, I actually had a running list of the kind of company I would want to work for. And I always said, that's the company I'm going to build. And in building that, so when I'm putting my brand out there, I'm, I'm consciously trying to make sure it's reflecting my values. It's reflecting the things that are important to me. And so that that's what I've become 
known for. I, I believe in no excuses. And you could see that even when I was telling my story, starting a magazine with no experience is because of that. That has always been how I have operated as from when I was time I could remember is if there was something that needed to get done, I never could give, I, there was always an action I could take. If we feel that, you know, people in a country should have jobs, we feel the government should do more. The question I would then turn around and ask myself is, but what can I do? You know, and then when I ask myself, I could be like, okay, maybe I could create jobs for people. Okay, how can I do that? Then I start that. There's always something that we can do. So no excuses is a key element of, of me. And it's it's tied into my belief in excellence and always striving to be our best. And in being our best, we need to be change agents. We need to be the people that were that are taking on the baton of being the problem solvers, not always looking at, yes, we can identify what other people can do but ultimately change the box stops with us. It's always us. Yeah. You got to, you got to show up and give value as well. You know. Oh, absolutely. You have to give value. And I would always say be, authenticity is, is the name of the game. You can be doing the same thing as somebody else, but that somebody else will never be you. So if, Whenever you're thinking about how do I want to show up or branding, it's not just about colors and logos and all of that. It's ultimately about who are you and what do you stand for? And I think that's really all you need to reflect is who am I? What do I stand for? And what do I want to be known for? You know, that's what you're putting out there. Your values, I should be able to see. I should be able to see your expertise reflected in how you're showing up. What you do takes a lot of energy, you know, and, you know, trying to, you know, the, the writing, trying to put all that together. It's a lot, it's all of energy, you know, and, uh, and how do you still stay focused, inspired and motivated and, you know, still giving the good stuff out there, you know, how do you manage to do all that? Plus the family as well, you know, which, which is, which is, which is hard. <laughs> Oh my gosh, you you know, right? <laughs> Kids, that's, I know, that was I know. a whole different dimension. I mean, I um, my background, um, heavy background is in developing systems and processes. And that's the background that I lean heavily on. Actually, for my clients, they could come from marketing. But the first thing we have to deal with is establish a system and a process because that's how you keep your sanity. You know, I, I don't operate my businesses as a one woman team. I did it before, like a one woman team and almost my brain almost exploded. It, it, it can, it takes a village. That, that proverb is very true. If you want to grow, you need that village. And so I have people that, that work, I work with, but for even that ecosystem to exist, I need, Good systems. So I actually have um, I have my own uh, business systems that are set up that I use to manage my entire business and my um, personal. So I use one system to manage. Now, of course, my systems are integrated, but I have this one place that I go to look at it, and I've set it up already to be able to give me what I need to focus on. So that any one time when I pull up my dashboard, I'm knowing from my personal to my business what should I be worrying about right now. Because otherwise, it's too many moving pieces. And I had to really structure my operations so that that would always be so that my priorities are always properly reflected. Yeah, yeah. I, I like that, man. I'm, I'm also with that as well. You know, I, I spoke to some guy way back and he, and he told me about this as well, putting systems in place. So yeah. he, he, he gave an, an analogy. He said, he said, he said, you should put system in place that, that, you know, you know, you know, the, you know, you know, the astronauts here, when they, when they come back from, when they come back from space, 
they don't they don't do anything. They just sit there and everything just automates, you mm-hmm. know. And he, he said your system should be like that, you know. Everything just automates, and you you don't need to push any button. Everything is just there for you, you know. Yeah. Just just automation, full automation. That is that's a key part, you know. You don't have a business until you can walk away from your business. At least that's my belief. If if you can walk away from your business for a year and your business does better than when you were even there, then you have a business. Business is not a job. Many of us, and I, I haven't hit that point yet, but it's kind of one of my key key milestones is I need to get to the point, not just a four-hour work week. I don't even want it to be a four-hour work week. I need to get to the point where I can walk away from my business and it does better than when I'm even in it. And that to me is when I would say I have a business. Um, yes, a lot of people go what I have and it's called a business. But when you look at businesses that are trading, you know, pop that are in the stock market and all of that, the reason why those businesses can thrive is because they have efficient systems and processes. And I know that because I've supported some of these Fortune 500 companies in setting those systems and processes up. And when you have an efficient systems and processes, people can come and go and the business still stands. You change your CEO, the new CEO just comes with a new vision, but you have the systems and processes to support that vision. And that to me is what really um, organizes and structures the business. And it's a lot of entrepreneurs, especially small entrepreneurs, are overwhelmed. Actually, the word overwhelm is probably one of the pain points of almost every entrepreneur that's trying to build a business. It's I'm overwhelmed. I'm overwhelmed and overwhelmed. You would hear from the entrepreneur that's still making maybe $1,000 a month to the entrepreneur that's making seven figures. They're overwhelmed. And when whenever a client comes to me and says, I'm overwhelmed. And I just, okay, let's stop there. Let's just look at your systems. What systems do you have? Because when you hear overwhelmed, it's because they're lacking in that area, which is for some reason, the one area that people put off, they would use pieces of paper. They would use Google Sheets. They would use all this stuff to try to get the business going to the point now where the business can no longer cope with this. So how do I get it going is because I have a team and I have these systems and all our systems are not fully baked yet. Some are still in flight and some are still being developed and some are, you know, evolving with the business, but that's what keeps me, helps me keep my sanity with, with everything that I'm doing. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And if someone comes to meet you now and maybe he, maybe he or she just came from Africa, like you did a couple of years back and he said, Bill, you know, I'm, I'm struggling to, to, to fit in this system, you know, and, and, you know, what do I do? You know, where, where, where do I start? What would you say to that person? Well, that's a great question. I would hate for them to be asking me in the years. I would like for them to be in Africa and say, you know what? <laughs> I'm struggling. What do I do? Where do I start? Because what I feel, and you would see, I always go back to, I believe that for all these years, many of us left the continent for better opportunity, but we're now in a very unique time where that opportunity is not global. Now, are there challenges and limitations? Yes. There are some countries, internet is still not stable, you know, things like that. But if somebody asked me, I'll say, okay, as long as you have a computer and access to the internet, you could start in many places. Now, I will speak more to the person that's entrepreneurial, um, uh, or even if you want a job. The world is a little different. You Don't shoot for getting by. Shooting for get, be, getting better towards being the best that you can be. So that's for the first thing. But the next thing is... Pick a thing that you can get really good at. Don't pick 50 things. Pick one. And you don't have to be perfect at the thing out the gate. You just need to be able to bet on yourself to get really good at it. Now, let me give you an example of what I mean. And I'll use marketing because that's just kind of an area. Yeah, that's what you do. If you're you're an entrepreneur, you could just decide that, you know what, I'm going to pick 
TikTok, especially for the young people, you know, this, I'm going to become good at helping businesses to promote your business on TikTok. Now, maybe when you say that, you don't even know the first thing about how to promote a business on TikTok. That's the beauty of the time we're in is you can actually go to YouTube, watch a bunch of videos. You can go to Google. You would find the questions that people typically ask. And then you start helping them to solve that problem. You would easily find people saying, okay, how can I promote my business on TikTok? Google is, a, is the world's brain. So you can actually find out what people are struggling with on Google. And all you need to do is position yourself as the solution provider. There is tons of opportunity. It doesn't matter whether you're listening to me say this in, in London or you're sitting in Kenya or Zimbabwe or Ukraine. I don't care where you are. There's loads of opportunity because what is, what are we talking about? We're just really talking about help me solve a problem. Whether I'm a startup entrepreneur or I'm an established business, I have a problem. We all have a challenge that we want to address. If you could position yourself, you don't need to pick 10 problems, pick one and solve it very well for me. I'll pay you for it. It's as simple as that. So that would be my advice to them is pick one thing. Leverage YouTube. Don't expect handouts because people want, they want the gold without putting in the work. Leverage, just go and say, okay, and then I'm just using TikTok. I'm going to get good at TikTok. Now I'm going to give you even one better. Someone is genuinely having this conversation that's listening to this. You have sites, free, a ton of freelance websites that are pretty much global. If you pick one area, you don't pick 50, pick one thing that you're going to focus on. Go to a site like guru.com, freelancer. I mean, they're even Facebook. Go to a site like that, a site where business people or just people in general are going to look for help. Look at the kinds of things people need, especially if you're like, okay, you're seeing TikTok, but there are many ideas. Which one do I pick? Just go sign up for that on that site. Look at the kinds of jobs people are asking for. Pick one area and focus on it. And then anybody that has that problem, you, you offer to help and then just keep improving your knowledge. Don't wait to be perfect. The only bet you need to make is that you're going to be able to do whatever it will take to help that person solve that problem. Ironically, I would, I would, I would bet even anybody else that, would, that went, has a degree would tell you this. You could go to school, get all the great degrees, but when you go to get that job, you still have to learn. You still have to figure it out. It's not like the degree all of a sudden makes you a, 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 a you know a super person when it goes you go to a company. Every company I've ever had to work for, every client I've ever had to hire, I've had to learn your business model, understand how they, they, they work. My education gave me the way of approaching thought, how to think through things. But I still have to learn. I still have to figure it out. The only bet I ever make is that I can bet on my ability to find an answer. I would bet on my ability not only to find an answer, but to find the best answer to get you to move forward. That's the bet I've made with every from. Fortune 500 companies I've worked for, and that has always worked. I've not only been able to find the answer, I find it and do it better that they're sitting there and will give me the promotions and all that. So I believe we all have it in us. So nobody should really be sitting, unless you absolutely don't have internet, then it doesn't mean you don't have opportunity. It just means you have a bigger challenge. But if you have internet, you, you should be able to earn a bit decently. Yeah, absolutely, Ben. I think you, you, you need to put in the work, you know, and patience as well, because, um, yes. and because you, we will, we all think that, you know, you start something now, give it a couple of months, you know, you're big, you're out there, you know, but it's, <laughs> 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 because, <laughs> because, 
you you're a testimony to that as well you know because you your your business i'm sure you you've been doing it for for years now and it, you, oh you, my goodness you didn't you I didn't just you. start seeing the ah. seeing seeing the turnover you know in six no, months no, no, no. a year <laughs> Yeah, you know, like they say, it, it took me, like somebody would say, it took me 10 years to become an overnight success. Ask Akon, everybody, I remember when everybody started talking about Akon and, oh, he's an overnight success. No, this guy had been at it for over 10 years before he had his big break. But all people saw was the big break. They did not see the rejection. They did not see the hustle and all of that. Yeah, but the good thing about that is that when nobody knows you, you know, you you have to grind, you know, put in the hours, yes. you know, learn things because you know people always talk about you know luck and grace. You know, I, I think I think you have to be prepared when that luck comes because yes. if you don't know your craft, you don't you don't know what you're doing. And when that luck comes and someone comes and it wants to take you to the next level, and you don't know, oh my god, how do, how do I change the light bulb? Like, okay. You know, yes. but you, you need to, you need to, you need to learn. You need, you need to be able to know your stuff. Oh, absolutely. I hate when people say, oh, you're, I've heard that a lot. Oh, you're just lucky. I remember sometimes I was trying to push a friend. Oh, you're just lucky. You think everybody's like you. And I thought to myself, are you really serious? Do you know how hard I work? Luck? Are you kidding me? And I hate, that's a, again, that's another limiting belief. It's that belief that you only got here because somehow you were favored by the gods and you worked hard. You didn't just, you know, you have subscribers now for your podcast. You've worked hard to get those subscribers. And and the more, the harder you work, the luckier you get. It doesn't just show up. You know, you have to, you have to get the things to align. If I make mistakes, I make mistakes. My systems didn't just morph into becoming systems that now help me to operate a business. It's I've tried things, things haven't worked out. I've had sleepless nights. I've had good clients. I've had terrible clients. I've had to deal with it. I've had times when ends have to meet. I'm struggling to make ends meet. I've been in those trenches and had to dig myself out. And it's that journey that shapes the process and gets you to the point where you 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 can now start in quotes getting lucky where people now start reaching out like you say people start knowing your name you start knowing you but you've paid the, the, your dues and I'm still paying my dues and I have a lot of dues to pay to get to when where I want to go so you're absolutely correct you know people lack patience they don't want to they think okay it's going to be I just start and boom tomorrow it gets done and unfortunately there are many people promising overnight success unfortunately I'm actually in the field where that's the the norm you know oh take my program and i make seven figures with this thing and so you will make seven figures too they're not telling you all the systems process and all the things they have that took them there they're just telling you this one thing which is a piece of a puzzle and it's really wrong to kind of t- try to tell somebody that this little piece will all of a sudden magically transform into seven figures that which is not true it's like it's like you want to you 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 want to get slim, you know. You you want to look good, you know, without putting in the work. You, you know, you you just believe there's a magical pill somewhere. You just take and yeah. you wake up in the morning. Oh, and, yeah. <laughs> ah, figure uh, my, I have the right body now. I can wear my bikini <laughs> and all that stuff, you know. But I uh, to to say that, you know, I I I believe in luck, you know. But but for me, you you have to be ready when that luck comes, you know, for for you be able to get it. And to shift this a bit, you know, also when it comes to marriages as well, you know, you, people think that oh. 
you know, marriage is just, you know, you have to put in the work because it, it doesn't, it doesn't, it, it doesn't happen Magic, that way. Magically just happens. It just works. And I think that's the analogy of life, right? What do you, you put in, you get out what you put in. If you're not putting in, whether it's your marriage or your fitness or whatever it is, or taking care of your body so you can stay healthy longer. If you're not doing your part and you're just expecting that somehow you will just rip something. If you're not planting, then you're not going to harvest. You have to plant. And that planting is the investment. Yeah. Plant, you water, you harvest, you know, cultivate and all that stuff, you know. Uh, Bell, to, to, to close this, you know, what, what, what is your legacy? You know, what, what are the things you want to be remembered for? You know, people always shy away from this question. They think that, oh, leg- legacy means, you know, when you die and stuff like that. But I, I, <laughs> a lot of guys Hi, think about that's that. That's a big question. No. Yeah. That's a big question. <laughs> I, I just, I just, I just heard your African part now. That's a, we, that's a big question. No. Hey. <laughs> Yeah, the, back to the, my the, 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 the Cameroonian you had to come out of it. <laughs> wow, that's big, you know. That is, legacy is a big question. I mean, if, if I could leave this world knowing that I helped just even a few people to be able to create jobs for themselves and for other people, people that did not believe that that was possible for them, then I would have, I would rest in peace. I think, and when I say people, well, yes, I serve a lot of my clients here in the US and it gives me joy. My heart is always drawn to the people on the continent that have so much potential that don't even realize how much potential that they have. And it's my lifelong quest that I will play a part, no matter how small, in helping them discover not only their purpose, but their ability and see it through. That's my wish. Yeah, good way to end, man. Love that, Mina. I love, I love what you're doing. You know, you're doing an amazing job, man. It's not easy. I know that it's hard, man. It's hard. It's hard. But Thanks. but you but you're putting in the work, you know, and all things being in core, you know, God helping you, you know, you're 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 moving on, you're striving hard, you know. You know, and I know you're gonna do I know you're gonna do great things, you know, more things, you know. Wishing you all the best. And I also wanna thank you, you know, for giving me your time, you know, grateful for that. Cause because it's hard as well, because with the COVID, you know, everybody now realized that, oh my god, my time is precious to me now. <laughs> You know, and you value value that, but it's my joy. You know, are you able to give me that? You know, I really, really appreciate that, Bill. Man, I do, man. Thanks. Thank you, guys. Thank you for having me on. Yeah, no worries.